Welcome to the Writer Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. I'm here. And Larry Korea. I have simpler tastes. I like to kill my enemies, take their gold, and enjoy their women. That's it. Why tie yourself to one? Today's episode, Tales from the Gunway, Round 2. <laughs> Alright everybody, welcome back to the Writer Dojo. Uh, Larry's quote in, in honor of, of uh, Mr. Stevenson who just passed away. Who was a great, great freaking actor. Great actor. Uh, Titus Pulo and Lucius Verinus on Rome are some of the, the, that's the greatest, greatest buddy cop yeah. thing ever made. All right. Today is kind of a, a continuation of an episode we did about a year ago this time. Uh, Tales from the Gun Range, Larry. Um, so about a year ago, we had, um, we both you and I were at a class, uh, a four-day class. You know, everything from from shooting to tactics to role playing, um, both both in terms of like real world scenarios and, and a game after the fact, um, you know, all of the above. Um, and, if, and if you guys recall, uh, for me, it was it was it was kind of oddly emotional talking about it yeah. um, because it, for me, it kind of encapsulated like almost like a personal uh, I don't know, like like a trial, like a like a try fail cycle for me. It you does I mean? actually because there's a lot of um, in performance shooting. There's a lot of psychology, and it's oh, about it's sports psychology, really. It's super like so much of this is in your head, and this all ties into writing. Yeah, because just it's the same thing. It's all in your head. Yeah. So this year was a little a little strange. I, I feel like I almost feel like I'm cursed when it comes to this class, Larry. So the the, the year one, uh, which was about two years ago, um, a little under two years ago. Yeah, this is our third annual. Yeah, this was the third annual uh, gun class. Just, I'll give you guys a little background. Um, I have a range at my house, right? Uh, lifelong dream. And I used to be a professional firearms instructor. I was in that world, and I worked in the gun business. I got out of it because it just kicked my butt, and I became a full time writer instead, which you know. Makes way more money. Yeah. Um, but years later, I started, um, I found a bunch of my like-minded people who were like serious hardcore gun people. And we started getting together and uh, we call this Joinder Con. Uh, so once a year at my house, we have uh, four days of Joinder Con. Uh, and I invite some writers and I invite, so so the noobs, the, the guys that can't shoot are all writers. There's a couple writers that can shoot. Yeah. Uh, and then we got, uh, the rest are like hardcore gun guys. Like hardcore. Competitors. Like professionals, like some of the best dudes in the country on the planet. Yeah. Top tier. We're talking yeah, yeah. top, top person, you know, 0.01% of shooters here. Yeah. And, okay. and some writers. Yeah. And some writers. Okay. So first year, um, Larry talked me into going and, and I was all excited and I show up, but like two days before the stupid class, uh, I get the news that it's like, Hey Steve, your shoulder sucks. So you're going to have surgery. Congratulations. And the surgery was two days after the class. Yep. So Steve was messed up. So that, that day I was like, I was like, Hey, I mean, what am I going to do? Hurt my arm worse? So I show (laughs) up to shoot. Turns out I did. Um, you know, I I think I was like maybe 30 rounds in and my shoulder swole up and I literally, I I couldn't lift it. Turns out having a whole bunch of explosions going off in your hand is uh, bad for her shoulder layer. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. That said, though, Steve really impressed the heck out of the instructors uh, because he just stuck around. Most most guys would have called it quits. Well, here here's the way I looked at it in 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 that moment. Um, and 
part of it was, well, I've already paid, so I might as well stay here. Um, you know, sunk cost fallacy. Uh, but the other part of it was, um, I've heard from you on numerous occasions talking about like the mental aspect of, of shooting and, and at the time, and I promise we will tie this back. No, no, we, we, we totally will. Um, the mental aspect of writing and part of it is, okay, well, if I leave, um, I can't even do mental reps on what they're doing. And, and I don't know if you remember this, Larry, but, um, while, while all the rest of you guys were up on the firing line, um, doing drills and shooting and stuff, I was standing, you know, five, 10 feet behind you going through the exact same motions just without moving my, my arm and shoulder. Okay. Mental reps, not unlike what all of you guys are doing right now, listening to us. Okay. It's important to hear things, um, oftentimes in different, from, from different points of view, Larry and I have different points of view on a lot of these, on a lot of these things, or we approach things in different ways, or just like when we have other authors on the show as guests, they approach things different the way, like, for example, we had Chris Rocchio on the show uh, a couple months ago. Yeah. Fantastic. And he approaches the literal aspect of typing on a computer, the way he, he forms sentences, he approaches it differently than you and I do. So does Dave Butler. So does Craig Nibo. So does David Weber. So does Chuck Gannon. All these people, you know, who, who we talk about, who we love, they all approach these things different ways. And so it's important for you to hear that from different aspects. So back to the shooting. Um, it sucked. I ended up watching. Um, and, and Larry will remember that, that after that, uh, after that last day, um, I was super, I was super, super down on myself. Yeah. You were smoked. You yeah, were. I was completely smoked. Okay. Year later, you know, two surgeries later. Joined your con two. Joined your con two. I show up and I'm feeling all badass. I'm feeling, I'm feeling awesome again. I get up there and, uh, and, and this time I did both classes. There's a, like a beginning class, like fundamental applied pistols. That one is mostly writers. That's, that was a lot of writers there. A lot of, a lot of, I mean, there's people there who, that was their first time shooting. Yeah. I, I loaned out like six guns. Which again, tie this back to writing. If you are ever going to write about guns, what it feels like for someone to shoot, even if all you want to do is write about the first time, like what it's like for your, your character who's never shot a gun before to pick up a gun and shoot it. Go shooting. Your gunfight scenes will be a thousand percent better. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and even like your reaction to how it felt and how it smells, the the physical nature of it, all of that is going to translate better into your fiction. Okay. So again, important. We get to, uh, we get up there. I do the first day. Um, I'm, I'm only like, I don't know, five or six months out from my second surgery. So I was still kind of messed up. I was still tight. Um, my shoulder still hurt. turns out you lose a whole lot of strength, uh, in your arms, shoulders, back when, when you have shoulder surgery. Um, the first two days went wonderfully for me. Um, I, I was shooting, I was feeling good about myself. Uh, second day or the, the second class, I did the, the, the first day of that class and, and, uh, um, I learned a ton that day. I shot so, I, I mean, I, I was kind of in my head a lot. Um, 
kind of kind of sort of imposter syndrome going on where I'm like, why am I even here? Like on the bell curve of shooters, I am on the far, 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 far. Yeah, because the second half is when you get the guys that are really yeah the stupid human tricks people. The stupid human tricks is what we call it. yeah. The, it's all about how fast can you humanly go? Yeah, and still be precise. Um, now fortunately, the at that time the three instructors who were there were amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, citizens Defense Research. They're they're freaking awesome, and. And the main thing that, uh, the first two were just like, okay, technically speaking, this is what you need to do. Stand like this, hold your gun a little bit like this. Do you notice that when you did this, this happened? Like logically speaking, I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I understand. And then I got to the last station and I was still in my head. And the only advice that the, um, that the instructor gave me there was he just, he just kind of like, he did like the put, put his hands on my shoulders and kind of just stared at me. I was like, dude, you're fine. Just get out of your head, dude. You're cool. Just do this. Stop thinking so hard and watch what happens. And I did. And I shot awesome. It was great. So year three, you know, right. Uh, I was all excited. And, uh, like two weeks before the class, um, I got, like, I kind of got a new job doing consulting stuff. You've talked about getting laid off on yeah. the show, so they know. <laughs> so, you know, with the, with all of the, like, kind of like the layoff and everything that happened back in November, um, I, I've just been, I've been doing the writing thing and it's been, and it's been pretty good, uh, on the whole. Um, I mean, I think like most times there's, there's ups and downs to it and moments of hyper productivity mixed with moments of, of less productivity. Um, but on the whole, I mean, look, I mean, I wrote a couple hundred thousand words. I've edited a bunch of books. I've written tons of short stories. Like it's been, it's been good. Okay. But, um, all that stuff takes a minute to kind of churn and catch up that whole snake eating the tail thing. And so, uh, I went and got a consulting job. Um, doing old DOD stuff, kind of like I used to with you, Larry. And um, that started like the timing of it was like two weeks before gun class. And, and I'm like, okay, maybe it won't interfere. And then this proposal worth like a quarter of a billion dollars dropped. And I'm like, well, it's interfering. Yeah, you do what you got to do. So, um, now, but the difference is um, the fundamental pistol class this year had a full day of in-class, um, like talking about tactics and situational awareness and crime, crime and, 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 and understanding how that is going, how that can possibly impact you, the general person. Okay. And so, uh, so I did watch that. Now, I didn't get a shoot this year, unfortunately, um, which, which was a huge bummer for me and for, for like a few of the other people there. Um, but again, mental reps and thinking about things. So what I want to talk about, Larry, you, you were there mm -hmm. and, and I want to talk about all of the, because I, I, I got to witness this as like the guy on the outside looking in and that's the the difference in the way people uh, 
talk to you, Larry, about your shooting. Um, and that it was very obvious for them how much work you'd put in over the past year. I put in a lot. You I put in a uh, lot of work. Yeah. And I've actually, I've gotten tuned back up to where I was, uh, back when I was shooting competition mm-hmm. professionally before I got into writing, um, which is fun. Now, psychologically speaking, to be a successful writer is very similar to what it takes to being a successful competition shooter. That sounds silly. And physically, they're a world apart. Yeah. You don't need any physicality to be a writer at all. No. You probably should, though, so you don't die young. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> but honestly, the mental game is where it's at. Because physical will only carry you so far. Um, what separates the champions from the regular people uh, is the mental game. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about the flow state. Um, and you'll hear this for like pretty much any... Uh, any, any type of competition, whether it's football, basketball, uh, soccer, boxing, it's where your body just does what it's supposed to do and your brain gets out of the way. Kind of getting in the zone. Yeah. And um, uh, one of the instructors had the actual uh, neurological term for it, but I can't remember what that is. I'm not that smart. But basically, it's um, if you've ever been playing a sporting event and you just got in a situation where your body just did everything right and your brain got out of the way, that's flow state. Yep. That's also when you do your best writing. Yep. Shooting and writing is the same thing in the way that you're all excited, you're all physically capable of doing it, and you're enthusiastic, but then what? And what separates the champions and what separates the successful authors from the masses is the ability to actually get in the state of mind that you need to be to do the job and to finish the job. Now, I I think one of the things that I want to bring up here, Larry, is that is that this isn't something that you luck into. No. Uh, I, for me, anyway, the more... Uh, this is something that I learned when I when I used to do the binge writing thing. Um, and, and hopefully I don't have to do that anymore, but whatever. When you... What, what I found was as soon as I started getting into it and I was writing and writing and writing, the more I wrote, the more I wanted to write... And the more, the more creative I was, the more creative, creative I wanted to be. And it all kind of fed back on itself. Yeah. And so the longer I did this, honestly, the easier it was for me to get into that, uh, flow state or whatever you want to call it because I'd practiced, I'd practiced getting there. Right. Competition shooters, the guys that are the champions, they get to that mental heads and they might not get to that perfect flow state, but they get close enough. Okay. So one of the guys that we, that we know at this, um, guy named Mirko, dude's a wizard. Great, great guy. Fantastic. Dude's, a, dude's so fast very, very with his draw. Shooter. Um, but what's one of the things he talks about? Um, he practices 20 to 30 minutes a day, draw to first shot just in terms of dry fire. Yeah. I think he did that three years without missing a day. Yeah. I mean- that's a lot. That's a long time. Well, that's the writing equivalent of somebody who sits down, button seat, hands on keyboard, and writes at least a thousand words every single day, regardless mm-hmm. of what life throws at them. Yep. That dude's going to be tuned up. Yeah. Uh, same thing. If you do 30 minutes of dry fire a day, you're going to be tuned up. Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Larry, but that was one of the big things that you were crediting for your success over the past year, is you, you literally made time... To say, okay, I'm going to spend 20, 30 minutes doing huh. some dry fire. Ironically, I did it whenever I needed a break from writing. 
Interesting. So I would be working and writing in uh, two completely different headspaces, right? Right. So I actually have targets posted on the wall in my office and I have my competition gun is in my office. Uh, and I have no ammo there for, well, for that caliber, I have a rifle, but that's different. So don't, don't come over uninvited guys. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, so, so when I would get a point where like, I'm just done writing for a bit, like my brain is done. I've hit that saturation point, which you know, any type of training, you're going to hit that, whether it's football, baseball, you know, writing, whatever it is, you hit a point where you're just, you've saturated, you've done what you can do, stop and do something else. And what I would do is I would stop and I would dry fire for 20 or 30 minutes. And I would go do that, and uh, totally different headspace. I put, I would, I would switch from my instrumental writing soundtrack, and I would flip the speakers over to like some, you know, rock, uh, metal, whatever, uh, rap. I would actually, I, I dry fired a lot to the Spider Man soundtrack, the Miami Vice soundtrack, <laughs> Fire from the Gods, a lot okay. this year. Okay, there, that's pretty good. Um, a lot of Disturbed as usual, but yeah, but I would yeah. do that for thirty minutes, and then you know what? I'd go back to writing. The thing is, guys, if you put in the work, uh, you will be in the headspace necessary to put in the work. It's 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 a it's a continual process of improvement. Uh, well, we need to, we do need to take a break, but once we take the break, I'll talk about some like like mental tips, mental tricks you can play on yourself. Uh, I hate to say, it, you remember that Snoop Dogg affirmation song? You know the affirmation song? No. Yes. It's hilarious. That stuff actually works. Well, yeah, and and okay. it works for writers. Well, okay. We'll take a break because, uh, you know, it's obvious that we're, we're kind of excited about this topic and getting into it. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back. We'll just kind of pick up right where we left off. We'll be right back. A lone boy, orphaned by the Nazis and imprisoned in a concentration camp. A dragon-like being elected to the leadership of the galactic government. What do these two beings have in common? Why would they meet in one of the most war-torn regions of Earth? for Earth and for the galaxy. Will this be one of the greatest friendships in galactic history or the death of us all? Blood Brothers Meetings by Stephanie Osborne, a first-in-series spinoff of the Division One series. Available May 1st. Pick up your copy today. Alright, everybody. Welcome back. Okay, Larry. So... One of the interesting, one of the most interesting things, and, and we talked about this in, you know, Tales from the Gun Range Part 1. Um, we talked about how the, the second, or the, basically the, the, in the more advanced class, there's actually a lot more talking, I think, than what people expected going in. Yeah. I know it was for me, it was for one of our mutual, um, very well-equipped um, shooting friends uh retired navy seal retired navy seal um one of i mean one of the main instructors is is a you know green beret medic who's been in a lot of places doing a lot of things in other parts of the world to a lot of bad to a lot of bad people a lot and when you i i I think there's this there's this expectation when you go to a class about shooting that that's all you ever gonna that's all you're ever gonna do you're gonna sit there you're gonna you're going to draw your gun and you're going to throw brass down downfield, right? That just makes a lot of noise after a while. It really does. If you're looking at something that's primarily a mental game, you got to get you got to understand yourself. Mm-hmm. Cuz the physical part is only a small part. And the physical part can be practiced 
all the time. Right. So really what it comes down to is understanding yourself and visualizing yourself in a way that leads you to success. That sounds cheesy. I know. I, I, it sounds like a, like a sounds doing, very Oprah, like a Tony Robbins seminar. And you here. get a car, and you get a car. But that stuff works. It really, really does. Now, from a writing perspective, bring these two things back together. Uh, one of the things I heard this week I thought was brilliant was a guy who's a good shooter tried something and failed, and he was beating himself up as most high performance, high delivery people do. Or, you know, much lower performance, much lower delivery people like me was doing the previous year. But most people who are successful writers would be what you describe as a high performance person. Sure. Um, They're a high achieving person. They set goals, they achieve them. Give yourself permission to fail. Yeah. If you do not ever fail, then you never learn. Well, this is, um, in fact, I believe it was in this, in the Tales from the Gun Range episode one last year, where I said, um, I... I'm known for saying it's okay to fail, um, but what I amend, what I've amended it to, and, and I and, and I got this from the last class was it's okay to fail, but it's not okay to beat yourself up about it. Yeah, you're gonna fail, guys. As a writer, you're gonna fail. You're gonna you're gonna write stinkers. You're gonna write a bad chapter. You're gonna write a dumb scene. You're gonna write a joke that falls flat. Oh, yeah. You're gonna write a character that's one dimensional, but that's okay. You're gonna learn from that. We've all seen writers that are pretty good and they have a career for whatever reason. They just strike some note, but they remain the same. They don't ever get better. They don't ever improve. One thing I am proud of as myself as a writer is I am not a one note guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a one genre guy. I'm not a one note guy. I can do a lot of different things. I've demonstrated pretty conclusively that I have a variety of skill sets. How did I get this variety of skill sets? Because I tried new things. Did everything I ever done been successful? No. Uh, have I done, have I written things that you guys will never see because they just sucked? Yeah, Absolutely. For sure. There's stuff that I think probably only Steve has seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, it happens, guys. But if you don't give yourself permission to fail, then you're never going to try anything beyond your comfort zone. You'll never get better. Well, and this is part of the reason why um, in in my first, my first collection of short stories, that Hellhounds anthology that I did, well, collection- We've, we've had that discussion, <laughs> uh, collection versus anthology. Uh, in my first collection, there's stories in there that no one had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, my very first ever finished, not published, finished short story is in that collection. And afterwards, I talk about it, honestly. I, I didn't, and I purposely did not edit them uh, with today's Steve mentality, Yeah, which I... I I could have, and they would have become much better stories had I done so. But it was important for me to show anyone who bought it that it's like, man, I, I came from that to where I am now. And that's important. It's important to see that distinction. And and, and it, it, frankly, it was important for me to read it and go, oh, you know what? I actually have got better, like yeah. substantially better. Well, I can go back and I can reread my first books. Yeah. And, and I can find things I would change. Oh yeah, sure. Just like I can go back and I can pull up targets and times from two years ago, three years ago and compare them to now and better. Yeah. Because I tried, I failed and I learned. Now, another one, I thought this was really powerful. There was another guy who was beating himself up, uh, for not achieving the level that he knew he was capable of. And then he did another one that was awesome. And one of the things the instructor told him, and I thought this was brilliant. And this one, another one that translates to writing is like, When you fail, 
That's not who you are. That's what you did that minute. You screwed up. That's fine. That's not who you are. Now, when you achieve and you do what you can do and you know you can do and you hit that, that's who you are. So when you walk away from that line and they tell you, this is your time, this is your score, and it's badass, you tell yourself, that's who I am. So when you write that scene and you nail it, and you nail that perfect scene and it is awesome and it is badass and the characters sing and you know the readers are going to finish that scene and go, damn, that's who you are. And you tell yourself, that's who I am. Yep. You don't go back to the worst thing you've ever written and say, that's who I am. No, no. Because you're not that guy anymore. No. I mean, I, when, I, when I was making that collection, there was a, there was a lot of scenes in there in, in a lot of those stories where... I read it and, and I internally cringed. I'm like, ooh, yeah, that was that was not my finest moment. Honestly, writing is a weird career because this is one of the only career fields where you get judged for the entirety of your career based upon the contents of your rookie year. <laughs> Think about it. Like it'll be like if somebody went back in time, and they looked at some of like uh, uh, some of the Hall of Famers in various sports. They don't get into the Hall of Fame based upon their rookie year, do they? No, no. Michael Jordan year one was not Michael Jordan year fifteen or whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, you all know that I'm a I'm a I'm a big 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 football and New Orleans Saints fan. Oh yeah, one of my Steve, Steve is Mister Memorized. I, I love this guy. stuff. Um, and my, probably my favorite football player ever is Drew Brees. Um, you know, a guy who who for all intents and purposes is was massively is massively undersized to be playing quarterback, and yet. Probably one of, the, in my opinion, um, top two or three to ever play. But and and his, not just his first year, his first four years, um, his opening contract with the he was with the Chargers then. He was fine. He was sometimes he was a lot of times he was less than fine. And then, you know, he goes to a new situation, a better situation. He learns from it. He learns from everything that he's done. Um, had proper reinforcement um, from from people around him, and dude went on to to become one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game. Yeah. I'd say probably top three. It there's a lot of writers out there. It's really interesting to me. So I'll see people. Like a writer will get mentioned on the internet. It's like, oh, I like so and so, and like, oh, well, I read his first book. It was stupid. He wrote that first book twelve years ago. Yeah. He's written 20 books since. Yet people are like, oh, I'm going to judge. There is no other career field where you judge somebody upon their, unless they really flub it. <laughs> like, okay, if you get a doctor and you know, get a surgeon, he like kills 16 people his first year. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Dude's got bad hands. Shouldn't be a surgeon. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I, I guess fighter pilots, that'd be another one too, if you really screw. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Aside from careers where people literally die, um, <laughs> most careers you get a chance to get better and you don't judge them on your rookie year. Writers do the same way. Now, people on the internet are dicks. They're going to judge you based upon the first thing you ever wrote for the rest yeah, of your life. Yeah, they do. That's fine. Whatever. Son of the Black Sword is not the same as Monster Hunter International. No, they're radically different. They're radically different. Uh, Hard Magic is radically different. Lost Planet Homicide is radically different. The, each one of these is a different genre. I've done different things, Okay. Uh, each each book I've collaborated with a different author is radically different than the one I do a solo. Uh, the one I did with you is different than the one I did with John Brown. Right. Um, 
basically, guys, you're going to learn and grow as long as you give yourself permission to continue to learn and grow. We also know writers who have successful careers who've never learned and grown. They've kind of done their thing and they do their thing and they just keep doing their thing. And that's fine too. I'm not knocking that. Uh, We could probably name some of the same guys. And you know what? More power to them. If that's how you want to go, that's fine. I, I, I can't fault you. You're making a living. You know, I, when I when I think of this sort of thing, um, I go to Jim Butcher. Um, I remember reading the first three Dresden Files novels uh, back when I worked at the bookstore. Um, and I, I, I read them and I'm, I'm, I'm reading them. I'm going, you know, these are pretty entertaining. They're kind of the same, but they're entertaining enough. Well, the fourth book is where... And then the fourth book happens. Really hit um, a stride. I believe it's called Summer Night. And I read that book and I thought... Oh, yeah. Jim, Jim has changed. Like he's, he learned, he, he, he now understands what it, like what he's doing with this. Yeah. What's funny, I actually like Aeronauts win less better than Dresden. Oh, do you? I do. Yeah. Interesting. No, I, I, I like I love quite them. a bit. Don't get me wrong. I think they're both great. I actually have, I'm going to brag for a second. Yeah. I have a word document of the second one. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> I, I, I quite liked the first book. I haven't um, read it yet because I, yeah. I have my own deadlines, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Yeah. But, you know, for, for someone like Jim, who has written umpteen gajillion books uh, in just a, a long, long, long series. Like even he is still learning and even, even he is still improving There's and changing things that he does. Then there's the opposite. And I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to bag on any writers that I know. I mean, we, we, we've tried this. There's only like a handful of writers on the show we will openly bag on because they deserve it. But there's other writers that just life gets in the way. I, mean, I know guys who were good and they just stopped and they just, or they just phoned it in. Or they just wrote crap because it's on the power of their name. You know what I mean? And and guys, going back to the shooting thing, that'd be like a dude who hits a pretty good rating in a sport. Like he gets like, you know, IDPA expert, let's say. Pretty solid. And then he just phones it in. And he just sucks. And he just gives up. He, he quits putting in the work. He quits training. He quits dry firing. He quits, he quits practicing. He stagnates. Whatever the state of the art knowledge is at that era that he was at his peak is where it is forever. You know, it's, it's guys who are still out there. It's like, oh, red dots are a fad. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Oh, appendix carry. You're going to shoot your dick off. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it's guys who, who hit a level and then they stay up. We see the same thing in books. Yeah. We see the same with the writers. They, they maybe had a couple hit books. Well, or, you know, they hit lightning in the bottle right out of the gate. Right. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't, uh, or they, they didn't put series. in the sweat. They had a series that was just magical. Yeah. Uh, and that happens, guys. Sometimes you just win the lottery. <sighs> Don't get me wrong. Luck plays a part in all of this. There is an element of luck in all this. Don't. Sure. Uh, I'm not just saying that luck doesn't happen. It's just the harder I work, the more luck I have. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, and I think what it is really is that's when you're, you are capable of taking advantage of every opportunity that presents itself. Yep. Now, there are guys who, like, they have, they do, they get lucky. They have, like, a big hit, but then they phone it in after. Uh, same kind of thing, guys, this is, this whole thing, the staying power of this career field is all a mental game. And I have days where I'm off. I have, I have months where I'm off. Uh, I talked on the show before, like when we, when, when my, we had, um, a medical challenge. In yeah, my you had health scares. Big time health scare. I really thought I was going to, you know, lose my wife and, uh, dude, I didn't write much. <laughs> right. No, for, I remember. Yeah. For, uh, for, for, oh, geez, like three, four months, mm-hmm. man. I didn't, I just, 
I, I had, uh, I had nothing in the gas tank. Well, or, you know, I mean, I've been very honest with, you know, all those, you know, all those months and months and months and years where the day job just, dude, it just oh. ground me down. Yeah. And, and the, the thing is though, is that who you are? Well, at the time it sure felt like it. Yeah. But it's but, not though. But not, no. It's, it, it's, it's, it's really easy, I think, for us to look back you know, the, the, the hindsight being 2020 sort of thing, right? It's pretty easy for me to look back at those days and, and say, um, uh, with, with today's mentality and go, you know what, that, that wasn't me. And also looking at it and saying, you know, could I have done even better then? Was I making excuses for myself back then? Probably in some cases. Uh, but in others, it's just like, you know what, <laughs> that was just a crappy time. Yeah. So you know, it was okay. And it goes back, I mean, once again, we're drawing this tortured analogy out from the, but sometimes stuff just goes wrong for you. Yeah. Sometimes you flub it. You flub the draw, you grab your shirt. Yeah, I did, I did you, that. Your, your, your thumb stays hooking your, in your, in your, in your shirt when you're trying to like let go. Uh, you, you flub the reload. You stick your mag in backwards. Your your magazine malfunctions. Uh, your gun chokes. That does happen. Yeah, one. Yeah. High quality guns, not so much, but it does Correct. happen. You, you, you have technical difficulties. That stuff happens. You just have a bad day. I've seen guys who are phenomenal champions, champion mindset, have a bad day. Mm -hmm. Happens. Writers, it's going to happen to you. It happens to all of us. You're not, we're not machines, guys. And um, we, we haven't really talked on the show too much about like the AI writing thing, but mm -hmm. but that's one of the things, and, and we'll talk about that some more later, but it is a thing in the, in the industry, in the business-wise. But, but we're, in a, we're in a battle of heart. Yeah. Um... Heart, and hearts and minds. We are artists. And I know I'm the guy that harps a lot on like business and button seat, hands on keyboard, treat it like a job, treat it like a career. But we are artists and art comes from the heart. And sometimes your heart is just not there for some reason. Uh, you suffered some loss. You know, you, you suffered some setback. You suffered some failure, some technical difficulty. I mean, shoot, we were talking with a guy, uh, another fellow author at the gun class who... Uh, and I'm not going to say his name, um, but he got a raw deal. Oh, he got screwed. He got screwed. Good guy, good writer. Screwed by some tie-in fictions, uh, tie-in fiction company. Yeah, he got screwed. And there's no, there's not no his other fault. way. There's no other. No, that he just a uh, big company just said, ah, screw that guy. I mean, it, it felt awfully familiar to 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 how I got treated by Privateer Press. Yeah. Um, only his was heavier. Yeah, it's bigger. His was way bigger. Yeah, and so that happens. It just happens, guys. Sometimes uh, publishers do you wrong, uh, go out of business. Man, I had I the worst book release I have ever had in my career was Gunrunner. It was a it great was during, book. During COVID, though. Because it came out when 98% of the bookstores in America were closed. Yeah. You I know, mean. Uh, it just is what it is. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, like there there would be, there's, oh, shoot, I, I and saw. And no one was commuting to buy audiobooks. <laughs> and I saw a lot of people talk about this sort of thing. Uh, a lot of authors say. Um, COVID ruined their productivity because of reasons. And I'm like, uh, okay. See, that's the thing is we, we are the one group of people who are like the least able to complain. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> about while, COVID while, ruining our jobs. Yeah. Well, someone was complaining about that. Brandon Sanderson wrote $50 exactly. million dollars worth of books. Yeah. Brandon, literally 50 million. Well, the rest of us could write four books and it's worth, you know, 
there's, there's <laughs> a fraction a, of that. There's a few but zeros he, off of that. But the, but the thing is, though, I mean, honestly, guys, that that's I making excuses, but that's I've a, seen, but that's a mental thing. It's a mental thing. I've seen authors where, uh, because of the results of a presidential election, be all like, well, I just couldn't write because I was too sad. Dude, get over yourself. Okay. You know what? It's like the alcoholic's prayer, the, the, uh, the wisdom to know the difference and the cha- change the things I'm in the power of the change, the wisdom. Yeah. To, I had to go to Alateen. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. But, but, um, the, the thing is you can make excuses for yourself. And we see this in the gun world all the time, going back to the, going back to what the episode's about. You can either make excuses or you could preload your excuses. Oh, the sun was in my eyes. Uh, there was something on my glasses. Uh, you know, you could you could pre or you can just be honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, I, I went into I, I went into the gun classes with um, if there is ever an excuse that works uh, when you go into a gun class, it's hey guys, I can't lift my arm up. Yeah. No. It's like it like. When the medic, when the combat medic is like, looks at your arm, he's like, nah, dude, you need to sit your happy ass down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, or there, there was another guy there this year that- You went walking uh, that off. There was another fellow author there this year that, uh, you know, his ba- his back was jacked. Yeah. There was an author there, good dude, good writer, uh, writes fantasy novels. Uh, it's the beginning of his career, very talented dude. Yeah. Uh, he needs back surgery. Yeah. And so the joke was, hey, you know, if, if, if there's not one Bane author there that's not injured, it, it isn't truly a, yeah. a Joinder Kong class. Well, and and, and, I, and, I, and, and uh, he's a good shooter and I beat him, but it he's, was like- He's a really good he's shooter. He's a really good shooter. But it's like, mm, it's not, it doesn't feel as good to beat him because I know he's got a jacked up back. <laughs> to be fair though, I had a smoke and I had a smoke. No, you did really so. well. The only guy, the only guy to beat me was the dude who took the all-time world champion record. So I don't- if you're going to come in second, you might as well come in second to Michael Jordan, you know? Right. Say, or Wayne Gretzky. Yes. <laughs> I feel okay about that. Yeah. But the thing is, though, guys, life gets in the way and you can either be honest with it and honest with yourself and say, I failed. Why did I fail? And learn and grow and become better or you don't. Yep. And, and I know too many writers who are quick to make excuses. You know, or, or they're quick to beat themselves up and put themselves in a hole they, they can't get out of. I've seen this too with writers where it's like, I sucked and failed. Uh, you know, I haven't, I've been, I haven't been making money or this book flopped and they're, they're done or they dig their own grave. Yep. You know, and I'm like, but I'm watching the champions and, and what do they do when they fail? Uh, they persist. They say, well, that sucked. Now, well, I mean, we're talking about our livelihood here. I mean, you still got to make a living. Right, and there are going to be times where you're not making a living at writing, Steve. Yeah, there there, there are times when you have to go get a consulting job. Sometimes again. you got to go take a consulting job. Sometimes you got to go drive a truck. Yeah, um, you know, bread truck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so there are times where you got to make ends meet, and that's fine. Life happens, guys. Don't beat yourself up. Don't dig your own grave. This is not who you are. When you succeed and you reach your goals and you are who you want to be, that's when you tell yourself, "This is who I am." And don't forget your wife and kids and family and all this too. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're kind of important in all this. We know a lot of writers that are divorced. Yes, a <laughs> We lot. know a lot, a lot of writers who are divorced. Yeah. Take care of your wife and kids, guys. Uh, because if you want long-term, have all the really successful writers I know, uh, they've managed to find a way to work out so that their personal life is in balance 
with their work life. Uh, because guys, you can be the one of the most successful writers in the world, but if your wife leaves you and your kids all hate you, eh, you know, that's, that's not, not success anymore. That's not, that's not success in my mind. Yeah. You know, so you got, there's balance in this stuff too. Same thing with the shooting is like you, if I went to, one of the reasons I had to quit back in the old days is I was working all, I mean, this is my job, right? And so I taught classes every week and I shot every week and I, I worked at a gun store all day. I was working 80, 90 hours a week, but my life wasn't happy. Nope. I, I was not, I was not doing the things I needed to do as a husband and a father. So that's one of the reasons I quit. It's a, it's a balanced thing, guys. There's a balance in all things. Uh, I mean, if I, I, you want to be David Weber when you grow up, you know, David and Sharon, you know, 70 years old, David's, David's married to a wonderful woman. They got great kids. They're grown up now. Sharon's awesome. Sharon's amazing. She's one of the coolest people in, in the writing world. Everybody knows and loves Sharon for a reason. Be like that guys. You know, uh, I mean, a lot of people who know my wife, one of the reasons I'm successful is I've got that relationship with her yep. and she, we're team Korea in it to win it. Yep. You know? And so. Yeah, this, this this was a very philosophical episode. It is, but but it's important, right? Like so often I think that I mean we we've done how many episodes on this is how you do this. This is how you write X. This is how you accomplish Y. But um we we don't talk enough about hey man, like get get your head right. Yeah, you know, stop stop getting in your own way. If you can't get your head right, you're on your own worst enemy. We we yeah. all know writers who are their they are their own worst enemy. Whether through it's their super negative attitude that they have about themselves, uh, or, or about everything, or their unrealistic, uh, dishonest attitude, where nothing is ever their fault, and you know sometimes it is your fault, sometimes it's not, sometimes it is. But if it is, you have the power to correct it. Yep, and stop being your own worst enemy. Um, it's just going back to shooting thing. If you do the same thing over and over and over again, and you never, and you never challenge yourself and you make excuses for every failure, then you will never improve. You will be stuck at wherever you're stuck at. Yep. And you will probably even get worse as the world moves on and leaves you behind. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, so one of the things that, uh, that I've been doing, so it, it turns out when, when you can't use your shoulder for a while, um, you lose Lots and lots of strength and muscles, okay? One of the things that, that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to shooting is how much, um, how much your muscles, uh, arms, back, neck, um, your core, how they all drastically affect your ability to control recoil, oh, yeah. uh, balance, um, and, and just straight up stamina for shooting. If you're doing it right, you're surprised how much your lats matter. <laughs> your lats specifically, okay? Um so that really stood out to me in year two of this class. I'm like, oh, dang, like there's a lot there. So this year, um, you know, just about a month or two ago, my, my son, uh, who, who, was, who was helping us on, the, on one of the previous episodes um, and who actually helped uh, set up the whole in-class portion of, uh, of gun class for, yeah, he for was everybody. Our AV guy. He is, he was our AV guy. Um, he, he was, he's, he's actually getting pretty good at this stuff anyway. So, so, uh, diamond 1.1. So he, uh, he's been doing archery. Okay. And I've been watching him do it and it's, it's super fun to watch him doing this and, and watching him progress as, t- as time has gone on. He's only been doing it for about a year. So a couple of months ago, I, I got a bow 
and I've been starting it. And what I've been finding is that uh, the strength required to do this thing, it's, it's rebuilding up a lot of muscle that I've lost. And the first thing that comes to my head is, oh, dang, if I keep doing this, one, it's, it's pretty fun doing this archery thing, but two, it's going to be building up all these muscles that I lost that's also going to help me with writing. And then, or not with writing, with shooting. And it's all the same. It's all the same now. Um, but but the, the reason I bring this up. So is mini painting. Yeah, it's all the same. The reason I bring this up though is if you're able to dedicate yourself to being good at something, it's easier for you to dedicate yourself to be good at other things. Okay. So if I can, if I can dedicate myself and, and become better at shooting or archery, um, some of those skills translate to the, across the board, the, the mental game, as we keep talking about the mental game of these things and the focus while on the surface, it doesn't seem like that stuff would help me with writing, but it does. Um, Got to get your head right. You have to get your head right. And, and again, this goes back to, to what one of the instructors told me um, in, in year two of this. He just said, Steve, stop thinking so hard. It's okay. You're good. It's okay. And, and everything was good after that. Yeah, there's a time when you need to be analytical. And there's a time where you know what you're doing and you need to get out of your way and let yourself do it. All right. So I think with that, we'll end on that note. And so uh, we appreciate you all very much. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Writer Dojo. Uh, And we'll see you on the next one. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writer dojo by leaving a five-star rating and review and by helping to spread the word to advertise on the writer dojo email ads at writerdojo.com. all questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. caffeine i have a constitution of 18 at character creation though so i'm good <laughs>